0: In today's episode, we spend a few more minutes with the word hallowed. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment. I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for joining us again on Preach Impediments. This podcast is made possible by EdenHollow.com. And of course, we would love for you to go over there and check out the things happening with Eden Hollow. Just the other day, I was privileged to spend a few minutes with Trey Haskett. And we spent some time discussing the idea of the word hallowed. That word that you're probably familiar with is in the Lord's Prayer. And it is read like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or I like to use the Christian Standard Bible, which says, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. He and I spent some time talking about that word hallowed and what it means, which really is just the idea of making a name holy, making a name special, really giving it the praise and honor that it is due. And so we talked about what that meant and what that looked like. And then we spent some time talking about other words that we use that are somewhat antiquated words or phrases, but we often hear them in religious settings and why we use those words. And one of the things I appreciated about my interview with Trey the other day is that it was not disparaging toward those who want to use these kind of words but it was honestly looking for the good in that that there are a lot of people who in an effort to treat god's name more holy they will use special words they will use words that are unique to religious setting or words that are even big so they they sound more serious more honorable as if we are really pulling out the million-dollar words to give somebody a million-dollar treatment. And I understand that idea. That is probably exactly what people are doing, or at least some of the people are doing when they use those words. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time thinking out loud today about this idea of how do we truly praise God? How do we truly give his name the honor that it is due if we are trying to truly hallow his name? One of the ways that I think we failed to do this is that we pull our attention away from what we're actually doing in worship. Let me use singing for an example. I'm a fairly musical person. I love music, I play guitar and other instruments, I love to sing. I read music, so oftentimes, especially growing up, when I would have a piece of music in front of me, I would be paying special attention to every accidental and every change of tempo or every syncopated rhythm, and I really love to focus in on the music. But a lot of those songs that we sing are prayers, they are songs with words that are directed at God or to God. And I'll be honest, many of those songs I'm coming across these days that I've sung for many, many years, but I've missed the message. I've missed the idea that's presented in those. And that makes me realize that if I'm missing the basic message of a song that is designed to give God honor and glory, then I probably have never really given God the honor and glory that that song is designed to give him. Let me use the example of prayers in our public worship. How often is it that someone gets up and they lead a prayer? And me, because I'm not just musical, but ironically I have a hearing problem, I I don't understand some of the things that the man is saying. Uh, Because I read lips sometimes. If his head is bowed and my head is bowed and his uh, face is turned in a way that I can't see it and my eyes are maybe closed because that's our tradition, and I can't see his lips, well, there's going to be certain pieces of that prayer that I'm not going to understand just because of my physical disability. Well, in those cases, oftentimes it is really easy for my mind to wander away from the prayer and focus on other things. It might be the sermon that I'm about to get up and speak on, it might be some event that is coming up, or it might just be the daily role of life or the difficulties that I face that, that fill my brain and get me thinking about everything other than the prayer. Well, those prayers are often, hopefully, designed to bring honor and praise to God, just like Jesus' prayer that he gave his disciples here. And if that's what they're doing, but I'm not paying attention to that prayer, Am I truly treating God's name as hallowed? Am I truly focusing and giving him the honor he is due by giving him my attention? I really doubt it. Uh, I doubt that that's what I'm doing. And I I think we need to be cautious about that. When we are coming together to worship, when we are even worshiping on our own and saying prayers at night before bed or before our meals, are we truly coming before the throne of God and hallowing his name? Or are we just saying a prayer out of tradition or out of habit? Are we saying the words that we're used to saying because we're used to saying them? Not because they truly are meaningful or because they truly make us come before God and talk about how great he is. So I want to encourage you in the first part of this podcast that you will... Pay attention to your prayers. Pay attention to the words you're saying, to the praise that you're giving God, and make it specific and personal. Talk to God about how great and wonderful He is, but then also tell Him some stories about what He's done. He knows those stories. I I know that. He knows what's going on in your life, but that doesn't mean that you can't tell those stories to Him And give him the praise for all the pieces of the story that remind you of how great and awesome he is. Spend some time truly hallowing the name of God, and that'll make a big difference. The next thing I want to talk about in this podcast, as I think back about the things that Trey and I were able to talk about, is the idea that we need to use these big, fancy, and sometimes antiquated words in our modern prayers or in our modern speech about the word of God. Oftentimes that is based off of the passage found over in 1 Peter chapter 4. It's the first part of verse 11. Here it says, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. Well, There are some who believe that that means that we must speak as if we are reading the words of the Bible. The difficulty with that is twofold. One is the words of our modern translation are not the words God spoke. The message is what God spoke, absolutely. But the individual words that we read in the English language, those are not the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Jesus spoke Hebrew, he might have even spoke Greek, but he did not speak English. And so to claim that we must use a particular translation of the English Bible in order to speak the words of God is a faulty argument at best. Secondly, I think it betrays the fact that that's not how the Bible writers or the apostles spoke. For instance, if you look over in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says here, For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Here we've got a quote from one of their poets. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, a well-known verse that says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You'll notice in your translation, it probably has that in quotations. Well, the reason for that is, that is a phrase that was found in a play by uh, Menander. It was something that would have been a common phrase during the time of Paul. He was quoting pagans. Titus chapter 1, verse 12. One of themselves, a poet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Now again, Paul is quoting somebody who is not inspired, somebody who was not told by the Holy Spirit that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Paul was using language that was not, quote, God's speech in order to teach something to the people that needed to hear about God. He's using something that is not the oracles of God to deliver the oracles of God. And yes, of course, you can make the argument that they become the oracles of God because of the way that Paul used them. But I'm not sure that that was really ever the intention. I think Paul here is using words the same way we use words. He's talking in such a way that he is communicating a message that delivers the message of God. And that's really what Peter is telling us over in 1 Peter chapter 4. Here, if we read the whole thing in context, I want to start back in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So here again, I think the point that Peter is making is that when we have an opportunity we should use that opportunity for God's glory, for his honor. Let Dare I use the word, we should be hallowing God, not only in the way that we live our lives, but also in the way that we serve others. We should be hallowing God with the gifts we've received from God, and we should be hallowing God with the way we speak. And the point there is not to say we must speak as if we live in a in a world that speaks Elizabethan English, but that we should be speaking as people who really bring glory to God because of the way that we talk. It reminds me of what Jesus taught back in the Sermon on the Mount near the beginning. This is Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's really what Peter's getting to, that we should be speaking in such a way that it allows people to listen to our words, but think of God, not think of some translation, but think of God himself, which means we should be giving praise to God when we're out there in our communities. When people ask us why, why we have such a great marriage, we should give God the glory for that. When people talk about how good our children are, give God the glory for that. When people talk about us being hard workers, we should give God the glory for that. We should be those who are constantly bringing the attention back to God because that's what God does. God is constantly bringing attention to the things he has done for you and I, and therefore we should be the same way. So let's start learning to hallow God, not just in terms of the prayers that we pray or the words we use to describe God when we pray. But we need to learn to start hallowing God in the way that we live. Hallowing God is not about just words, but it's about a way of life. And so we need to be those who are willing to do that. If you'll turn with me back to, at least turn your minds back to, that prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, it begins with, What we've already talked about, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. But if you read the way this prayer continues, it actually teaches the very lessons we've been talking about today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now again, what he's teaching here is that we should have a desire to live in a way on this earth as if we were already living in heaven that we should be serving and loving and, and worshiping in such a way that it is as if we are in God's presence. Give us today our daily bread, it continues. And that allows us to see that, yes, we are trusting in God, that he will pull together the details of our lives. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. If we want God to forgive us, then we have to display that same characteristic of God in the way that we deal with others. Because again, that's what God desires, people to be redeemed and forgiven. Well, then we need to be a redeeming and forgiving people. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, he concludes. So here in this prayer, we've got these statements that allow us to see that the way we hallow God is that we live for him, that we actually go out into the world And we display a life and a character that causes people to think not about how great we are, but to think, wow, that person really loves their God. We should be thinking in those terms. I hope this has been helpful to you, that maybe this has helped you dig a little deeper, or at the very least, think introspectively about who you are and how you live we should be those who hallow god's name not just in our prayers but also in our daily lives thank you for listening to preach impediment and thank you for being a part of our audience we are as always trying to grow this audience because we want to bring god's word and really the simplicity of god's word to people all over the world so if you enjoy this podcast share it share it on social media tell people about it send people email if we can help you get the word out about preaching better, let us know how and if you've got any questions or suggestions on how we can do things better let us know our next week's episode is with jared hagan from colorado and we will be discussing reconciliation i hope you'll tune in until then